in, everybody. It is time for the Mainland Podcast. I am an under-the-weather Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. Uh, welcome to episode number 105 of the Mainland Podcast. Joining me, as always, is Mainland writer David Rowe. Dave, how are you? Well, I'm over the weather, as in I'm, I'm ready for it to be fall. Frankly, it's still too dang hot at this point in the year. But, uh, you know, between the two of us, we even out. Uh, even Steven, that's how it goes. Okay, so absolutely nothing happened this past weekend. So let's just nope. move on. Um, there yep. was no Orlando City game to speak of. Um, nope. And uh, nothing happened and all is right with the world. And I don't even know why we're doing this podcast. Um, of course, that were uh, that would be nice if it were true. But it's not true. The Portland Timbers, uh, congratulations to the Portland Timbers. Uh, took them three tries to get their first win against the mighty Orlando City, uh, a 3-0 victory, uh, basically a win in every facet of the game. I don't think you can even say that Orlando City was ever in the game from the, the opening kickoff on. It was just an onslaught of, uh, we're going to press high, we're going to run at you, you're, we're going to use our speed, and you're not going to be able to deal with it, and that basically happened. Uh, Jonathan Spector getting himself... Uh, in trouble in the 15th minute with a yellow card takedown in the box of Darren Maddox. It was um, an unfortunate play, Dave, because really uh, it was originally not called a foul. In live action, it did look like um, Spectre got the ball. And in the replay, you could see that Darren Maddox just just made a play. You got to tip your cap to him. He got his foot all the way around in front of of Spectre as he was already sliding and uh, he clipped the back foot and uh, they went to video review. It was a penalty and yep. uh, you know, uh, Diego Valeri is scorching hot. He wasn't going to miss a penalty and uh, he made it one, nothing just a quarter of an hour in. So already you're chasing the game uh, and it was uh, just not, uh, not ever going to be Orlando's night. Um, it's one of those things where you never know what happens if, uh, if there's no video review Maybe City poaches one on a counter or something or a set piece and takes a lead and then, you know, could change the whole complexion of the game. As they say, goals change games. Um, but it didn't change games. This goal uh, just basically put the, the foot on the throat of Orlando City. And uh, before you knew it, it was 2 nothing. Uh, could have been much worse if not for some Joe Bendick heroics. A lot of 1v1 stops and, uh, and even beyond saves just kind of throwing throwing uh, attackers off uh, when he came out of his net a few times to where they they uh, mm-hmm. got a little indecisive and lost the ball and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, in the, the second half, you thought, okay, maybe there's a lifeline back into this game. Uh, we're going to change shape. We're going to go to a 4-2-3-1. We haven't done that in a long time. Let's see what happens. Two minutes, uh, less than two full minutes in, Spectre gets a silly yellow card, really just a late challenge on Valeri, who, uh, you know, made – Pretty darn sure that that ref was going to see that uh, foul by mm-hmm. uh, milking that and making a meal of it. Uh, you know, it's nothing that everybody doesn't do. So, um, And it's, it's not like it wasn't a foul. It, it was a foul, and it was a yellow card foul. And, and I'm definitely not going to uh, defend Spectre on that one. Uh, he was late. He knew it. Second yellow. Uh, uh, just an unbelievably ridiculous place to get and time to get a yellow card. Um, you know, no threat, no danger. Valeri is a good player, but I mean, he, it was near the freaking midfield line. You're not going to score from there. Um, no real reason to do it. And, uh, so, you know, then you're, then you're down a man 
you're down two goals. It's pretty much done and dusted. Uh, Valeri added another one, and uh, the final was 3-0. I don't think we really need to say anything else about this game. No, you're right. I mean, it was, they were just chasing it from the get-go, and uh, quite frankly, they were slower. So uh, if you were slower chasing something faster, you're not going to catch it. So, Dave, this um, is an interesting thing because uh, the team flew out on Thursday. They usually fly out the day before a game, and uh, they flew out on Thursday. So they an extra night in the city where they were going to play. They've done this four times now this year, where they've been in the city where they're going to play more than a day in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, those games were a 4 nothing loss at Houston, a 4 nothing loss at Chicago, a 4 nothing loss at New England Revolution, and a 3 nothing loss that could have been much, much worse at Portland. Do you wow. sense any kind of a pattern here? Um, you know what? I'm a, uh, I'm definitely a facts, uh, guy. A, uh, let's, you know, if, if something is, uh, trending and you can, you know, if there is a, even if it's just correlation, if not causality, well, gosh, darn it. Um, perhaps somebody should take a look at that and maybe we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, cause it's, it's obviously not working. No, I would say don't go to the city early. Uh, Go the, the last possible second. Like, get off the get off the plane, get on a bus, go right to the bus, get into the locker room, get your gear changed, and go right on the field and play. Time it out just perfectly, just like that. I, I was that was exactly <laughs> my thought, and you know, down to the second, uh, where you know there's somebody sitting there looking at a watch, going, "Okay, come on, we got to hurry up, let's go, let's go," because oh, geez, that's uh, that's a that's a lot of goals. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you look at the goal differential, and when, you know, 15 of them are in those four games, a minus 15 in those four games, that tells you that the extra day in the city uh, is not working. I don't know if the guys are going out seeing the sights, if you know what I mean, or if uh, it's just the extra night in the hotel room, uh, you know, or if it's just a coincidence, which, you know, it could be. I, I don't know what it is. All I know is it it isn't working. And so why uh, not try something different? Yeah, if it's if it's broke, fix it. This is the opposite of what the old saying is. So um, anyway, uh, again, uh, a loss to Portland. First time they've lost to Portland. And um, you know, so kudos to Orlando City for still owning a a winning record against the Portland Timbers, which is a it's been a pretty good team since Orlando's been in the yeah. in the league. And um, you know, my man of the match is going to be Joe Bendick because nobody else really is even in consideration. Yeah, this is going to be a shocker, but my man of the match is Joe Bendick because he was the only one on the field that did anything that was remotely good. Yeah, he he helped. He he made it not as bad as it could have been. Um, yeah, four four zero three zero was bad. Four zero, if it had matched those other games, was much more likely, and it probably would have been even worse than that, honestly, if it hadn't been for Joey B, because he made some amazing saves. He came out and broke some things up. Um, there was, uh, as you're sitting there watching this horrible thing uh, unfold before you, uh, the the one bright spot every once in a while is, hey, that was a good save by Joe. Yeah, exactly. Uh, way too many times, 1v1. Um, it was it was sad. It was just sad to see. And, um, you know, especially once once, 
once Spectre got sent off, it was just all, everything was terrible and nothing will ever be good again kind of time. And, um, you know, uh, what does all this matter when the sun's going to explode someday? That kind of thing. You know, it's all, it all got existential at that point. Um, I'm not sure what you're speaking of because I don't even, I, I, I don't remember anything happening then. PC also got tossed uh, for a silly elbow, not a hard elbow. I mean, no. Probably the softest elbow you can throw at somebody. I don't even know if you could say he threw the elbow. I would say he moved the elbow. Uh, he put the elbow up. He didn't really throw it. Um, I will say that Diego Chara is either Mr. Glass or um, he was just uh, working on his. He was workshopping some uh, some acting skills there. Oh, I was going to say he's either Mr. Glass or he's Bobby Dorino, uh, uh, De Niro, one of the, one of the two. So you know. Uh, <laughs> Give him, give him the, uh, give him the Academy Award, and uh, you know, let's, yeah, that was, that was frustrating. Yeah, Chara threw the shoulder blade into the, into PC's back right before that, and, uh, and it got under the Brazilian skin, and uh, you know, he, 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 you know, he put up the arm, the elbow went in the face, and Chara did the rest, and then, uh, then the referee did, uh, did the rest of that. So, that was that. PC. I uh, hope you enjoyed your seven minutes because you're not going to be playing on Wednesday against New England uh, with the suspension. And uh, at this point, we haven't heard if that will be extended. Um, but, you know, violent conduct is often uh, punished pretty pretty severely by the league. Uh, throwing elbows can get you an extra, extra game or two. Uh, again, this was the softest of elbows, but it was an elbow. So uh, God only knows what the, what the disco will do. We don't, you know, it's it's like uh, yeah. it's like on Seinfeld when um, when Jackie Child said, "You never know what a bomb is going to do. Don't put a bomb on it. You don't know what a bomb's going to do. Uh, you don't know what disco is going to do. You never know what disco is going to do." So don't... yeah, no, if it <laughs> if it was a if it was a you know a reasonable you know group of human beings that uh, were able to look at things and, and judge them appropriately and and you know distinguish uh, levels of, of good and bad uh, you know I, I might feel okay yeah obviously they could look at it and go oh well yes it was a foul yes he got sent off but you know perhaps this that, that the, the one game will, will will do will suffice um, but like you said disco ah, pfft, who knows um, that, that could be uh, we, we might not see him for the rest of the season who knows yeah well uh, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm going to move on because I can't even process any further thought on that game or give it any more energy because, A, it's not worth it, and, B, I have no energy of my own because I am ill, well, and not just because of the way the team played on Sunday. <laughs> um, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do we have anything better to talk about? Yeah, we have some things that are better to talk about. Let's, let's do that. Let's start off by talking about a thing that is marginally better than a loss, which is a draw. Okay. Uh, and the, in this case, a nil-nil draw between the Orlando Pride and the Portland Thorns. So it wasn't a great weekend. No goals scored against Portland teams by Orlando teams. Uh, but the, you know, that one completely, that point completely eliminated Seattle Reign's margin of error at that point that the uh, Pride uh, drew nil-nil with the Portland Thorns, the Rain needed to do the following. Win both remaining games, because they played Sunday night, they uh-huh. needed. They also needed to make up quite an extensive goal differential, and they needed uh, Orlando Pride to lose at North Carolina this coming weekend. Okay. Well, none of that even matters now, because Sunday night, 
we didn't just get bad news because we also got good news because the Seattle Reign at home, mind you, lost to FC Kansas City 1-0 on their home field in their home finale and uh, against a team that really is in a lot of turmoil based on nobody knows if they're ownership is going to change in the offseason if they're going to move out of kansas city it was a very um hectic week for fc kansas city but they went out and focused on the field thank god and scored a goal and got the win i mean it really the, the rain could not have even tied that game they had to win and they did not do either one of those things and i can tell you this i could not watch that game all i could do was watch twitter and, you know, get the updates every five or six minutes, you know, whenever something happened in the game and just hope that Seattle didn't score a goal because uh, I was just too nervous. But um, at the end, FC Kansas City beats Seattle. The Pride uh, had a pretty good game against the Thorns, uh, but could not find a, a goal. They actually, I thought, were probably the better team, although maybe the Thorns had the single best scoring chance in the game. Um the Pride had more opportunities, more shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just couldn't get it done. But uh, a nil-nil draw was the first point that the, that the uh, Pride have ever gotten against uh, Portland Thorns after three losses. In fact, they had given up two goals uh, in each of the games to the Thorns. So to, to hold them scoreless, that was a, a pretty nice uh, change of pace because you look at that team and you got a Tobin Heath and uh, you've got a... Um, you know, Lindsey Horan and Ali Long, you, you know, it's a pretty talented team that they have there. And uh, they were not able to uh, get on the board. So uh, the Pride, David Rowe, have clinched a playoff spot in the NWSL. Woo! That was the best news that I got all weekend. Uh, and like you, I could not watch that Seattle game. I also <laughs> was just following the Twitters and uh, waiting. And then when it finally came across and you start seeing uh, the, the tweets from the, uh, the pride players, um, and how happy and excited they are. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. Um, it was, uh, we've got a team in the playoffs. (laughs) It's decided. Yeah. I was hounding, uh, Jackie Maynard of the pride communications, uh, staff for updates on Steph Catley. She had to leave the game with some pain in her knee. That's not something you want to hear. Uh, about somebody that's been, you know, one of the best players in the league this year, especially at her position, maybe the best player at her position this year uh, in the entire league. And, um, you know, you're going to need her, you figure, in the playoffs. And Catley, uh, we don't have an update on her condition, but she did have some knee pain. And they said that it was precautionary. But when you say precautionary and then you also say knee pain, that, that to me is... Two different things. So I'm waiting uh, with with uh, a lot of anxiety to find out Steph Catley's um, condition. Um, Marta did not look herself. She looked like a player that had just played in uh, Australia just a couple of days earlier and, uh, <laughs> and made the trip. Back. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> well, you know what? Here, that's a good thing, okay? Because if that's the case and she looked like that because of all that, then once she gets some rest, she'll be back to normal. She'll be better. Mm-hmm. And when you figure that five of the players were in those matches down in uh, Australia, mm-hmm. that means five potential players are going to get better and play better. So that and, and they're going to do so at exactly the right time. Yeah. Well, we, we got to make sure that Steph is healthy. She played re- she played well. And also Alana Kennedy played well uh, over the weekend. 
Um, I thought Camilla played pretty well, as, and Monica didn't get in the games down there, so she was fine. In fact, she she's up for save of the week, uh, yeah. along with Ashlyn Harris for a, a ball where Skylar Lee got in and, uh, uh, you know, or Ash, I'm sorry, Ashley Sykes. I don't know why I said I, I kind of got, got the I got the what I had what I did just there was I got all of the syllables and I mixed them up, <laughs> but uh, Ashley. <laughs> Sykes got in and got a shot on and uh Ashlyn Harris got a good say, you know a good piece of it with a hand uh but it was still rolling toward the goal and Monica cleared it just in front of the uh, goal line uh from danger so they're up for save of the week and, and you should go vote for that I was gonna say voting ends as we, uh, as this podcast drops tonight correct uh yeah yeah you might Wednesday, be right it Wednesdays might be it might be, yeah, it might, yeah, I think it's tonight. I think it's Wednesday night. So, so th- there's no time, people. As yeah, soon so as go you hear right this. Go vote. <laughs> anyway, um, so a, a good outing, uh, uh, you know, aside from from not knowing what Steph Catley's condition is, um, you know, it wasn't a win, but it was, you know, a step in the right direction. They're they're unbeaten in eight. They go in North Carolina now. North Carolina plays Wednesday night. They could wrap up the Supporters Shield. And if they do that, then I expect a lot of starters from both sides might be rested on Saturday. Yeah. Um, we might see a lot of Nicolette Dries and some of the bench players uh, for the Pride. Um, neither team's going to want to tip their hand because they could end up turning around and playing each other again the next weekend. Uh, because as as the current standings are, uh, the Pride would go to North Carolina, the team that they end the season against. And I believe the other semifinal uh, would be uh, Portland and Chicago. And I believe they play each other this weekend. So uh, they could turn around and play each other again. Uh, The only thing we still don't know is the seedings because technically Portland could still win the shield and the pride could still jump into third place over Chicago. So there's, there's some variables, Uh, but as it stands out right now, it would be Chicago at Portland and Orlando at North Carolina. So now uh, they would, they would, that would be good. Cause then they wouldn't have to as far to travel. And if they somehow uh, were able to get that win, then they would play, of course, the NWSL championship in Orlando city stadium. Right. Uh, which, you know, obviously that would, that would be ideal. And, and, you know, like you said, we go to North Carolina. It's a, a good bet that uh, you're not going to see a lot of the stars. So, you know, what happens in that, uh, you know, who knows? Um, hopefully the stars align and, and we get the, the seating that we would prefer. Mainly, I think that um, Orlando is a team that is uh, on the rise, as they have been this second half of the season, uh, just like we predicted at the beginning of the season. Um and it, I think it bodes well. They are, you know, for the first time, you know, they go up against Portland. They don't lose. They draw against, a, a, obviously, a very, very good team. Um, and I agree with you. I think they were probably, um, just from the eyeball test, the better team uh, during the match. It just so happened that, you know, neither team could find the goal. Well, okay, whatever. We still got the results we wanted to from this weekend. Um, so, you know, we, we, we had, we're heading to the playoffs. I'm still giddy about it. It's still, it's every time I say it, I'm, I'm, I'm still loving it. Um, now sidebar, follow me on this. Tom Dwyer plays for Orlando city. Who is, uh, in the same organization as the Orlando pride 
Dom is married to Cindy LaRue, who plays for FC Kansas City, who managed to beat Seattle so that the pride could get in. Okay. Now, I, so I'm, not one for, I'm not one for conspiracy theories, but I'm thinking Sydney helped us out. Well, I mean, that's her job, right? To win the game. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I, I know. Yes, I know. Obviously, I'm, I'm looking for something. <laughs> uh, not something that's not there. I, I'm joking, of course, but yes. uh, it's still it's still fun to think of, you know. However it happened, the Pride are in the playoffs. Uh, they have had more success against new the uh, the North Carolina Courage slash Western New York Flash in terms of victories than they have against the uh, Portland Thorns. Uh, also, the extra travel for the Portland Thorns and playing on turf up there uh, are not ideal. So I think that you'd rather have them playing North Carolina in the semifinals. But I guess it doesn't matter either way because chances are you're going to have to play both of those teams uh, to win the title. Very good point. And we just hope that uh, we're in that uh, last game uh, in Orlando City Stadium. That's right. October 14th is the NWSL Championship in uh, Orlando City Stadium. The semifinals and final are all going to be nationally televised on Lifetime. The semifinals will be the 7th and 8th, whatever the Saturday, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, 7th and 8th uh, at 3.30 p.m. And the uh, final would be the 14th at 4 p.m., I believe, or maybe 4.30. Off the top of my head, it's either 4 or 4.30. But um, the game at Portland, which whoever plays at Portland would play on the Saturday. Whoever plays at North Carolina would play on the Sunday. So that also uh, would be one less day of rest uh, if they played on the Sunday at North Carolina. So that's another thing to take into account. But I'm selfish and I love college football, so I want them to be off on Saturday. <laughs> so I want them to play Sunday. So, we, we, are, we are in agreement on that, sir. Yeah. We are in agreement. All right. So uh, congrats to the Pride. Congrats to Tom Sermani and uh, to all of his players and the entire staff at the Orlando Pride for making the uh, the playoffs. The team finished ninth, Dave, last year. Ninth in the league. So uh, quite a season for the Orlando Pride in uh, 2017. So uh, NWSL playoffs. Woo! Woo! All right. Um, also, we have uh, other things to talk about. We had, we've talked about a loss. We've talked okay. about a draw. How about okay. if we talk about a win? Can we talk about Whoa. a win? Let's, yeah, let's talk about a win. Okay. So talking about a win would be good. There's only one more team we have. Yes, we have one more team to talk about, and that is Orlando City B. The Young Lions of OCB played at home against Charleston Battery this weekend in the uh, second game of the doubleheader. And uh, shame on those uh, fans that went to see the Pride and didn't hang around for the Young Lions on Saturday. But I was there for that. And the Young Lions, my friend, came in there on a two-game losing streak in which they'd been outscored 4-0, in fact had... Lost 2-0 to a team that they had a numerical advantage against for 35 minutes. So it was not a great run of form at all for uh, Orlando City B. And I got to tell you, the first half of that game on uh, Saturday night was not entertaining soccer. Uh, It was mainly played between the boxes, uh, a lot of buildup, and then a bad pass turnover, 
and then the other team would come, a lot of build up, and then a bad pass turnover, <laughs> and it was really excruciating. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Pierre da Silva scored what might be the goal of the year for OCB. Just absolutely destroyed a ball and put it in off the post and uh, left Odisonal Cooper, the uh, goalkeeper for the Charleston Battery, no chance. And it was 1-0 to OCB. And uh, it was um, it was a much more lively second half, Dave. It was a more back-and-forth game, uh, kind of open at times, which I think kind of uh, favored Charleston, especially since they had Romario Williams. He was suspended three games, but it got rescinded after <laughs> one game. So, uh, you know, Anthony Pulis said after the game that they knew Wednesday night about the, the, the suspension getting rescinded, and he didn't want to talk about the decision and why it was made or any of that stuff, but probably because he didn't want to be fined. But um, I I really thought that Zach Carroll and Connor Donovan did a great job in Romario Williams. He was very uh, dangerous throughout the game, but they did their best to limit his opportunities to keep him, uh, you know, outside to keep his, uh, to limit his danger. I think they really did a great job with that. And, uh, you know, nevertheless, of course, this is an Orlando city team. So they gave up a goal uh, in the final 10 minutes and it was one, one. And you're like, Oh, here we go again. And you were just praying that Charleston didn't find a winner because at that point, you know, that, that part of the game, they, they really had about a 10 minute spell where they were kind of all over Orlando city B and got the goal. And the, the goal was always coming and it kind of wasn't even on their best opportunity in that, in that uh, sort of series of events. They just, they got the ball in the box. A guy made a spinning move and kicked, uh, kicked it at the goal and, uh, Jake Fenlayson couldn't make the save. So um, it, it kind of came out of nothing, but uh, during a good spell for Charleston. And then uh, just in the game's waning minutes, uh, a ball well, goes well, into the a, a ball goes into the box and Timbo gets a, a crack at it and it gets blocked. And you're like, oh, because it was such a good opportunity. But the ball falls for Lewis Neal. So Lewis Neal does what Lewis Neal usually does, which is made a mess of it and kicked it right <laughs> at the goalkeeper. But... <laughs> I don't mean to say that to be mean. No. Uh, we, we've just seen Lewis Neal miss a lot of sitters uh, in the last couple of years. And, you know, he kicks it right at Cooper. And Cooper has it in his hands. And it just, he couldn't handle it for some reason. It wasn't, didn't have a lot of pace on it. It just was, I don't know if it had some kind of weird spin on it or what. But it went off his hands, off his chest, and off his hands again and into the net. And it was a game winner. And the OCB wins 2-1. to one. <laughs> Okay, so most likely... There was some weird because, uh, as we know, when Lewis hit that, he probably hit it weird, um, <laughs> and so it it was probably this little uh, screwball thing, you know, that that went in there, and and you know he's thinking that he he's got it, you know, Cooper's like, okay, yeah, and it, hands, chest, hands, goal, what? And I'm sure he had he he probably didn't even know what happened. Neil had no idea what happened until it happened, and. <laughs> You know, none of the rest of us did either until it, it's you're sitting there and you go, oh, oh, wait, it just went the goal. We won. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were a couple of minutes after that to, to kind of kill off. But uh, uh, OCB from that point on, I don't even think gave up a shot. They just kept the ball. Uh, it was very nice to see. It was very fluid, very, uh, you know, a lot of movement, finding the open man, one touch passing. And uh, they looked like they were really confident after that second goal. But it was funny after the game because Lewis Neal even said uh, they they brought in Lewis and uh, Pierre uh, to talk after Anthony Pulis did. And and Ant, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Neal says, 
you know, I thought you guys were going to ask us, you know, who had the better goal? Because obviously mine was mine was the better strike, you know, (laughs) you know, kind of give Pierre the business a little bit. But it was it was it was pretty funny. Um, But uh, I mean, even Lewis Neal said, you know, I. He goes, I, I just, I just put it on goal, and keeper kind of made the mess of it. He goes, he goes, I kind of didn't, didn't really challenge him, didn't give him any much to do, you know, and he just made a mess of it. And so, you know, Lewis Neal had a good sense of humor about it, and that's just the way soccer is sometimes. You just, you have these wonder strikes, and they hit the post, and then you have these sloppy little, you know, crap. I didn't hit that well at all, and it goes in. And um, you know, soccer is a funny game, and that's why it's uh, maddening and, and lovable all at the same time. It absolutely is, and and the best part of, of Neil's goal is is his response to it, you know, in that interview, and just you know acknowledging, hey, okay, it wasn't great, guys, but whatever, it went in, yeah, um, you know, and then the best part of uh, Pierre de Silva's goal was Pierre de Silva's goal. Holy cow! If you have not seen this, go find it on our. Uh, at the mainland.com go find the uh, the OCB uh, recap from that match uh, it, it'll be in there mm. and good grief it is an absolute screamer from 30 yards out and just nobody had a chance at it and it hits that post and just goes in. It, it was that was uh, hopefully a preview of many 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 like that to come you know um, it's funny because you don't there's not a lot of expressing uh, of emotions going on in the press box when uh, when the game's going on. You know, you might, you know, you occasionally get a gasp. But sure, man, professional, right? Yeah, yeah. When when Pierre struck that thing and it went in, the entire press box just went whoa! Like it was just a collective whoa in the press box. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, it was it was a crazy good goal, and uh, just it shows you what this kid is capable of. Just 19 years old. And uh, he's got a really bright future ahead. And it would be nice to see, uh, you know, maybe if uh, if the Lions get eliminated, he gets called up and, and gets in a few games here toward the uh, the end of the season as a reward for a, a job well done. Of course, the problem with that is OCB needs him because they're not so <laughs> yeah, solidly they're, <laughs> they're not solidly in the playoffs yet. They did climb to seventh, but there's some teams chasing them, a couple games in hand. So, you know, they need every point they can get. They go to Richmond this Sunday to play the kickers. They've won there earlier this year, but they also lost at home to the kickers, so they can't take that for granted. Uh, Richmond is a lot more difficult to play at City Stadium than uh, than you know on the road. So it's uh, it's it's going to be a battle. And then uh, I think th- I think three home games left after that for OCB. So I think uh, they're they're set up for a good finish. Uh, but they do play some good teams in those home games. They play, uh, I think, uh, well, Tampa Bay Rowdies is one of them. So uh, they got some good teams coming in, and uh, you know, hopefully well, Anthony Pulis can get them over the finish line. Well, hopefully that uh, that two game slide was was just that. It was just a two game slide, and that they uh, they they take this win and are able to you know get back on track, get back on the front foot, and. Um, you know, if they can have anything even, you know, close to what they were playing like during that, you know, 12 game uh, non-losing streak, uh, then, you know, that would bode well. So it it, it's, it remains to be seen. But uh, but you're right. Uh, Pierre de Silva would be a big part of making that happen. Absolutely. All right. So we've talked about a loss, a draw and a win. And now we got to talk about the future, Dave. And we're going to talk about Orlando City and the New England Revolution on Wednesday night, a midweek game in a double game week. And uh, we'll bring in our special guest now to talk about that game. We'll do that right after 
this. Joining us on the Mainland Podcast, we are happy to have with us a uh, friend of the program, Jake Katniss from the Bent Musket, our uh, our sister site uh, that covers the New England Revolution for SB Nation. Uh, Jake, thanks for being on the podcast. I'm 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 very glad to be back. Is is it still called is it still called the podcast pod? Uh, we are still very punny over here. Ah. Boo! We're only supposed to boo bad puns, and this is not a bad that, one. This is a no, good one. No, all that all puns are, are bad. No, no, no. We've, had, we've no. had this conversation. I know, but don't anyway. you ever get tired of being wrong, Jake? Um, I mean, I'm I'm still a Revolution fan. <laughs> well, so the op- the option there would be no, no. I guess I'm not not tired of being wrong. Okay. No. Uh, Jake, I want to ask you a question. I want to start out by asking about the Jay Heaps firing because you mm. are a longtime uh, New England Revolution fan for reasons known only to yourself. Um, yes. And I see a, a team that is just absolutely putrid on the road this year, but very, very good. In fact, among the league's best at home. The same guy coached them at home and on the road. Is Jay Heaps a fall guy for a a bigger problem, or was Jay Heaps the problem? Um, yes. <laughs> the answer to that question is 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 yes, and it's to both, and I will tell you why. Um, just just a thought. Um, if if you're on the road in Atlanta, what is perhaps maybe not a good idea to do? Maybe put nine, ten guys behind the ball from the start of the game give up a goal, get two red cards in the first half. There, there are game plans that Jay Heaps has done on the road that have failed spectacularly, and most of them involve playing defense. Wait, are you saying um, that, the, that the game plan was to get two red cards? <laughs> no, it's, that's just what happened. Oh, okay. The idea is New England is not very good at outright defending. Mm-hmm. They can't hold the lead. They've proven this time and time again, particularly on the road. They've had leads in Dallas. They've had a three-goal lead in Seattle. Um, the idea of let's play a 4-2-3-1, put two holding midfielders in front of a back line that's still kind of a mess, and play defense against teams like Atlanta, like Dallas, like Toronto on the road simply doesn't work, and Jay Heaps just keeps deciding to try and do this. What the New England Revolution are good at, in theory, is attacking, and particularly counterattacking. On the road, they flat out don't do it. They sit back. They play defense, they build from the back, and they wait for their utter, utter destruction. Uh, It's just a matter of how it happens. Um, Usually New England uh, gets a lead or scores a goal on the road, uh, and then they screw it up late. In the case of Atlanta, when they lose 7-0, it was a bad game plan. Um, They tried to be overly physical. It backfired spectacularly uh, early and often, and that's how you lose a game 7-0 when you have a bad game plan that gets executed poorly, and a couple of things kind of sort of go wrong. VAR decides to throw out to your guys, rightly so, I think, in both cases. Um, so Jay Heaps is, is part of the problem as far as the performances on the road. However, there is a larger issue with the New England Revolution that I think everyone kind of knows about. Um, they're owned by the Crafts. Mm-hmm. They have a 26-man roster. At the beginning of the year, was a 23-man roster. We don't have a USL affiliate. We don't send hardly any players out on loan into the USL except our third-string goalkeeper. Um, we only have signed 
three homegrown players in our history. Um, we don't spend a ton of money on international players because we're not good at signing them. There's a lot of other little issues that Jay Heaps can't solve. And those are the issues that are above him. That is the culture of the organization that has effectively made them um, the, the Tampa Bay Rays of MLS. And not only MLS, but MLS 2.0. When that is, New England effectively is going to build from within MLS via the draft, via trades. And they're going to try and get put together a really good team. And once every 10 years, they'll be good and make a playoff run. Or at least that's how the last 10 years have gone, or so it seems. Um, the Jay Heaps era, six years, a couple of playoff runs, uh, including one trip to MLS Cup. That was a great year. That was the peak of the New England Revolution under Jay Heaps era. Everyone will not deny this. Why was that the peak? Well, because you went out and you signed Jermaine freaking Jones in August. And when you add a player of that caliber to a team that's already kind of good, which I think New England is. New England's not a bad team. New England's just inconsistent as hell. And even in 2014, they were inconsistent as hell. So it's not just Jay Heaps. There are other issues that, that, not, that not even Jay Heaps can solve. But do I think Jay Heaps helped his own case um, the last couple of years by winning, I think it's one game on the road the last couple of years? No, he didn't. But it's not, it's not just a Jay Heaps problem, but we don't have all day to talk about it, <laughs> unfortunately. So I guess um, Michael and I talked about this earlier. What we were hoping is that the Heaps strategy would continue at least for one more game. Uh, you know, say one that as this podcast drops tonight, um, where, you know, you guys give up a lot of goals and, and you know, lose on the road. Is that potentially still the strategy, or do you think that uh, they're going to try and do something different? Well, um, I will say that the two teams that Jay Heaps most recently lost to, that those two teams being Atlanta and, and Kansas City, um, I think those are two good soccer teams. Um, and, and I will say that I don't think that Orlando City is good. I do not think that Orlando City is bad, much like New England, um, but we are both absolutely not good at soccer. So I have hope that New England will be able to compete in this game, as far as the strategy goes, I'm not sure. Lee Wynn came off the bench against Toronto, which was amazing, and he did a lot of really good things, like scoring a goal and assisting a goal uh, as the Rebs beat a depleted Toronto team for the second time in Gillette for no reason. And I think uh, I look at Orlando and I sort of see a similar team to the Rebs in that, God, this team should be better. They're not all that great at defense, but they can score. Which leads me to believe, all right, well, we'll see goals midweek. Again, logic dictates this, so obviously we won't have any goals. I don't know. It's kind of one of those things. <laughs> I, I I expect, I think these are two teams that play a very similar style. I don't know if the Rebs will, will keep the 4-2-3-1. They had a lot of success in the diamond midfield, um, but the diamond midfield was predicated on the fact that you had Kellen Rowan, Diego Fagundes, and you don't have those guys anymore. You've only got Fagundes. Um, Teal Bunbury's been playing a little bit more out wide because he's just been a machine the last couple months. Um, my gut tells me you'll see the four-two-three-one again. Um, whether or not it's a combination of uh, Lee Wynn in the middle, Aguidelo out wide, Aguidelo up top, Kamara up top, some some sort of. I don't think you'll see a drastic change in tactics from the Revolution. Uh, it's not really their their method to mess around with things, even under Jay Heaps or now Tom Schoen is the head coach. Um, you'll see a similar style. I think, you know, as I said earlier, 
the more New England counterattacks on the road, the better they'll be. Um, they're going to want to press a little bit defensively. Um, they're going to want to get upfield quickly and you know get the ball into you know Kamara and Aguidelo and win in and around the attacking third and just let things happen. Um, so you know both teams are banged up. Both teams have um, well, Orlando has red card suspensions. I'm not sure if New England has anyone out on suspension anymore. Um, it's hard to keep track. We've had so many of them, but we didn't get a red card against Toronto, so I think we're in the clear. Um, but the lack of Kellen Rowe and Lee Wynn for the first 70 minutes against Toronto was incredibly noticeable. Um, and if, if Lee Wynn isn't available or isn't 100%, um, I think you, you'll see the difference um, between him when he's on or off the field, depending on if he starts. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Wynn because he's, uh, he's listed as uh, something you don't often see on the injury report, muscle spasm. And uh, mm. it doesn't specify where that muscle might be. So, I mean, <laughs> I, it's technically the I, a heart is a muscle, but um, yeah, I, we hope yeah, it's I not think, that. I think, it, I think it was a hamstring. It could have been like a thigh or something. Like It's one of those things where it's just something where as he was running or in training, uh, it's just something that bothered him. And so he was available for the Toronto game, but he didn't start. He came off the bench and was fine. So he didn't put in a full shift against Toronto. Um, I understand with the double game week, maybe they want to, you know, rest him again, bring him on at halftime, bring him on at the hour mark, or if start him and if things are going well, take him off at the hour mark. Um, but that's another dangerous strategy because, like I said, New England's not good at defense. So if you take off the guys like Fagundes and Wynn and Aguidelo and Rose already out, now you're losing the ability to counterattack, and now you're just sitting with the ball in your own half or in the midfield third just giving the ball to the other team and letting them counter on you. So... It's kind of a double-edged sword for the Rebs. Like you want to protect your attacking players in particular for a double uh, game week, and you don't have the luxury, particularly if New England still thinks the season is salvageable, which most of us don't think it is. But they're only four points back of the Red Bulls. They have a game in hand, so really you could argue it's closer to six points or seven points. Um, you know, I don't know. It, it's an interesting uh, situation for New England as far as a short and long term. Whether or not, uh, you know, if you're giving, you know, Tom Sean an entire, you know, a legitimate look if you want him to be the head coach. Um, and if you're trying to figure out what you're doing for next year. So um, there's a couple of interesting ways New England can play this. Um, as far as the lineup or the personnel, I don't expect to see a ton of changes. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, who's in the holding midfield, who's in the center attacking spot, uh, that midfield triangle. And maybe there's a, a one, op- one extra option Aguidelo, Fagundes, Bunbury, two of those three guys should be on the wings, um, in theory. All right. Well, you should you should definitely uh, rest Win and Kamara. Yeah. I, mean, it would, I don't know if it's going to help the <laughs> offense or hurt the offense. It's one of those things. New England scores goals in bunches. It doesn't really matter who. Um, you know, Teal Bunbury could play, could play, you know, target striker and just decide, I'm going to score three tonight because why not? Um, you know, New England's funny like that, but you know, I look at I look at Orlando, and I know I know Specter's out on suspension, right? Yes, that is correct. All right, so who's what's your back line looking like? Well, it looks like it's going to probably be uh, Sutter and Toya at fullbacks as usual, with Red, yeah. Redding and Hines in the middle. That seems to be the preferred um, go-to when when Specter is out and. Uh, he definitely wasn't 100% on Sunday, and that showed he was a little late on a challenge a couple times, and each one of them was a yellow card. So, 
it's usually how that works. That's, I mean, that doesn't sound as terrible as I was hoping, so... Uh, it sounds pretty terrifying from Mars' perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, is, 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 it, is, it, is Tommy Redding still not good at soccer, or is it just he's not getting enough minutes? Tommy's young and inconsistent. Um, mm. Fell asleep on one of the Portland goals the other night. Uh, fell asleep at Atlanta and allowed Joseph Martinez to tie the game uh, the week before. So, yeah, he's uh, – and he's not great in the air, which is a problem when you're going up against Kai Kamara. Which was actually my next uh, uh, question that I had is mm. in regards to, to Kai, because uh, we, we have a special uh, dislike for him, um, you know, <laughs> not not just from his time with you guys, but of course his time with Columbus. He seems to have a penchant for finding the goal against Orlando City, and quite frankly, we're sick of him. Uh, I know that's my Michael was, uh, was asking if, you know, perhaps he could sit. Uh, tonight, uh, rather than you know, see any minutes, but uh, I, I, I'm sure I don't think that'll happen. Um, th- from the, your guys' perspective, how has it, you know, been having him in this uh, topsy turvy up down uh, season? You know, it's very similar to what what New England has been the last um, couple of years. They're very streaky, um, and it's and it's 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 streaky as a team. Um, so every other month, it seems like someone's really, really hot. Last month, for no reason in particular, it was Teal Bunbury. The guy was scoring off the bench. He was scoring as a starter. Now he's getting minutes because Kellen Rowe's out, and you know the best guy to replace Rowe's workmanlike performance on the wing is is Bunbury, which is fine. Um, as far as Kai, is, you know, people always debate, is Kai a perfect fit up top in a 4-2-3-1 for New England? Probably not. Um was he a better strike partner with Juan Aguidelo when they were running kind of a diamond midfield with two strikers? Maybe. Um, it, it's hard to figure out. Um, he's leading the team in goals. Um, he's doing, I think, a lot better than he was uh, last year. I think he's got 12 this year. I don't remember how many he had last year. I don't think he cracked double digits, but I could be wrong on that. Um, I don't think anyone last year cracked double digits. Um, the real story for New England right now is uh, just Lee Wynn. If Lee Wynn is on the field and he's creating, um, either for himself or for someone else, uh, New England is a far superior team. Um, what we haven't had this year is kind of sort of, um, uh, you know, the other, you know, you've had, you know, Juan Aguil and Tio Bunbury have been scoring goals. I think Diego Fagundes has chipped in a few, and Rose had a whole bunch of assists. But we haven't had a lot of, like, the supporting cast spreading out and scoring goals. We've really had to focus on mostly Kamara uh, on the scoring end and then Lee Wynn doing everything. And usually there's a little bit more production from other places. And we've had um, other guys are tallying in with either assists or goals, and it's not really a combination of both. You know, you'd love to see someone like Diego Fagundes um, around, you know, 10 goals, 10 assists, uh, or Kellen Rowe around that number. And I think both those guys have... Um, five or six assists, and Diego's got a few goals, and Rose got none, but now he's hurt, so it doesn't matter. Uh, it, you're, you're looking for um, the supporting cast or the rotating cast around the strikers and around win to be contributing on offense, and, and that comes and goes. And that means you have to rely on, on the, the core guys up front, those three guys, and that's not, not really how this team is, is built. Sometimes uh, you don't want to just be feeding Kai Kamara headers all the time. You don't want to just be relying on Lee Wynn to dribble past someone and score. Uh, you don't want to rely on Juan Aguilero poaching 
uh, at the back post or Bunbury finishing something uh, in the box. You need to have everyone contributing. And when you're relying on a team like that by committee, um, you know, sometimes you have you have dry spells and you go on the road. And, and in particular, you're not trying to attack. Uh, you lose a lot of attacking opportunities. So I, I look at, at Kai Kamara. I don't know his particular success against Orlando City. Obviously, you guys don't like him. So he's obviously been scoring goals. Um, but my guess is if, if you look at the, the Revolution's road record as far as scoring, they probably don't have a ton of goals on the road. Why? Because of just the mentality of, well, we're going to try and play defense. And that's not what this team is is good at. Um, so if the Revolution, what, what you don't want to see is Fugunes or Bunbury or Aguidelo driving the ball, um, you know, on a run, crossing the ball, you know, on a counterattack, and to see Kai Kamara just in the box waiting. You don't want to see that. Uh, you want to limit the amount of time that Kai Kamara has to uh, attack the ball. If it's a you know or New England trying to attack uh, a set Orlando defense, uh, you know a regular buildup, uh, that's going to be beneficial to Orlando. The more you allow the Rebs um, to get on the front foot, to get out on the counter, um, to create turnovers, use their speed, um, that's when Kai Kamara is going to find a gap, or he's going to lay it off to. Uh, win or Bunbury or Aguido, someone else who's found space because everyone's focused on Kai. And that's when you probably get in trouble. So that's the strategy sometimes for New England. It doesn't always work. Um, I think sometimes they're too single-minded as far as we're just going to cross the ball to Kai today. We're not going to try and do things in the final third. And um, you'll tell pretty quickly whether or not it's a, it's a good aggressive New England team or a passive New England team, probably by you know, 15, 20 minutes in, you'll know uh, if this is a game you guys are winning. Uh, if you're watching New England sitting the ball back and Kai Kamara and Lee Wynn aren't getting the ball, you guys are going to be okay. Well, Jake, before we let you get out of here, we want to get your idea on what the key matchup is on uh, for Wednesday night's game and uh, what your score prediction will be. Um, well, my question is, uh, is Kyle Laren playing or is he what, what's his what's his problem right now he doesn't have a current problem as far as we know okay so he, he, he should be starting he just hasn't been scoring uh he scored in three in a row until the portland game until the Portland game. okay that's better i heard it was a lot worse for him last month so well, you you um, didn't see him because he was on international break when we were in new england but he had scored the game before that and then he scored oh. he came back and scored in the two games after that gotcha and there was it was the suspension thing was kind of in between for a little bit there. Uh, the suspension was a, about a month and a half, two months ago, and okay. uh, yeah, it took him a little while to get to regain his bearings after that. Which, well, which is fine. That, that, that happens. That and he and he and Dom are now starting to you know work together a little bit better. So that's the well, other I think thing. That that was my other question: is is it, is it now a two striker front for? For Orlando, or are they still doing that weird thing where like Dwyer or Laren's kind of like a winger? Yeah, they're they're nominally in a four four two diamond, but there is a, a quite a bit of movement. Um, okay. uh, they they switch sides from time to time. They move uh, guys around. Um, well, I mean, obviously, the questions for New England right now are more on the defensive end. Um, left back has been a problem. Um, Chris Tierney's had a couple of better games um, at home. Uh, I'm not sure this is the matchup you you want Tierney and his lack of speed trying to deal with one of those two guys. Um, but I also don't love uh, Benjamin Nangua starting because he's a bit of a um, head case uh, and gets himself a lot of cards for not a whole lot of good reasons. So uh, I'll say it's it's going to be it's going to be the Orlando Strikers versus the center back pairing. 
and the back line in general. Um, Antonio De La Maya, um has been a, a rock and, and a very good signing uh, for New England. Um, has he been Jose Gonzalez 2013 caliber? No, but that's a very elite level. Um, he's been very, very solid and has played practically every minute when he's not on international duty and last week suspended because of a rather unfortunate um, uh, handball off the line. Um, it's kind of six yards off the line, but it's still, it was, it was a legitimate blocking of a handball mm-hmm. uh, on a goal, on a goal bound shot. So, um, and, and uh, new signing um, Claude Delena from, uh, from France uh, has been uh, a, a more steady presence in the middle. I think those two have worked uh, fairly well uh, in the time that they've been there. Uh, notwithstanding, I mean, obviously some of the road games have been tough, but it's not always on them. You need to be able to relieve pressure out of the back and New England sometimes just refuses to do that. And you concede goals. So, uh, you know, New England's going to be watching um, a lot of the defense. Uh, you know, I'm personally looking more towards next year. I want to see if these two guys uh, are going to be a center back pairing or if New England has to go out and think to themselves, we still need a center back. We still have problems here. Um, maybe we can find a guy who can play center back and left back and, and maybe move him around a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, we have to see. There's still this is not a, a perfect roster. Um you know, there's certainly um, some decisions New England will have to make. Um, Benjamin and Goa on the back line, whether or not he comes back, uh, the Revs either pick up his contract or let him go back to uh, EA Guingamp in France because he's on loan right now. Um, the team picked up uh, Christian Nemeth, who promptly got himself a red card in Kansas City for reasons unknown to the rest of the world. Um, you know, like I said, you know, I don't think this is a, a bad New England roster, but. Uh, I'll be damned if they can't put together a good performance on the road pretty much once a month if they're lucky. Um, so we'll have to see. You know, there's a lot of a lot of tentative play when the Revs are on the road, and um, maybe uh, maybe Jay Heap's uh, uh, replacement, Tom Stone, as head coach, maybe he can change that. Uh, it's his first test to really see um, if uh, if maybe Heaps was far more of the problem than we think in New England. But uh, personally, I doubt that. I, I expect. Uh, as I always expect uh, when these two teams play together, uh, for a 2-2 draw for no other reason than uh, this is the eternal 2-2 uh, draw derby. And uh, that, that that will be the final <laughs> scoreline because uh, Baldomero Toledo said so. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, Baldomero Toledo. We, uh, I, 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 I was a little bit of a prophet this weekend because I tweeted out before the game, Baldomero Toledo is your ref tonight. Literally anything can happen. And... Uh, promptly lost two men uh, <laughs> to red cards. So, um, yeah. But although I will say that um, the the two yellows on Spectre were probably warranted. Uh, the first one was maybe a little bit iffy, but the second one was a definite yellow. And the red card on, on PC was definitely warranted. So, uh, But Jake Katniss, our, our good friend from the Bent Musket, tell people where they can find you on uh, online. Um, you can uh, find me uh, on uh, at uh, on Twitter at uh, jcatneys43 um, at thebentmusket.com. Um, trying to get my uh, home internet working. We watched uh, some Open Cup qualifying over the weekend. Uh, Newtown, Connecticut defeated once again in qualifying. We're very, very distraught over this. Um, New York, uh, Pan Cyprian Freedoms moving on to play uh, the Lansdowne Boys, an all-New York battle uh, in round two. Uh, and obviously, yeah, we've had a lot of a lot of chatter on the uh, on the Jay Heaps thing the past uh, couple of weeks. Um, I was on Dan Feuerstein's uh, podcast, Feuerstein's Fire, uh, for once a Metro uh, yesterday. Um, 
you can go to onesmetro.com or Dan's Twitter and find that. It's uh, been a been a long long week for New England. Um, the the two the two road games, the seven zero game in Atlanta was just absolutely soul crushing, and and then you know firing heaps. It it made sense. I'm not sure it, it's you know like I said, it's kind of a move where I'm not sure New England's trying to salvage the season or or just get ready for next year. Uh, part part of me thinks they think no no we're we're still we're we haven't been eliminated from the playoffs yet let's let's try and win a few more games, um, you know that that strategy needed to happen uh, a long time ago, uh, <laughs> if that was the idea. So like I said, it's it's one of those things, you know. Um, people ask me, you know, are you are you surprised they fired heaps? You know, yes and no. You know, no, I'm not surprised you you fire a head coach after you lose a soccer game seven to zero, but uh, it's the revolution. This isn't exactly something that they, they normally do. Um, Steve Nichol didn't get fired. He got to see out his final year that went pretty much about as badly as, as Heaps did now. And then they rebuilt. And uh, I don't think the Revolution are going to rebuild this team. So I, I'm kind of interested to see um, short and long term uh, what this team does uh, to address um, the issues that they have. And and if, if it's going to be Tom Schoen as head coach or if they're going to go out and find someone else, it'll be an interesting uh, final month for the year. And uh we have to assume if, if one of us loses tomorrow, this is a loser leaves town match. Like we can eliminate ourselves if we lose tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, can, this this is going to be a thing, right? Yeah, Orlando City is definitely uh, mathematically out if they lose and the Red Bulls win. So. Um, oh, okay. We're in we're in that range already. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. not good. That would be the earliest that the uh, the Lions have been eliminated in their three year history of, in Major League Soccer. So uh, not great, Bob, as they would say on uh, on the yeah. uh, Mad Men. Uh, nope. Jay Katniss ah. from uh, the Vent Musket. Thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Always uh, nice to have you on, and uh, we'll talk to you sometime down the road. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Okay, well, Dave, we're going to head into stoppage time in episode 105 here uh, on the Mainland Podcast. We always call it – I always call it stoppage time recently, but it's like, you know, it's 20 to 30 minutes long. <laughs> so uh, kind of like the D.C. United game on the road. Um, yeah. But uh, tonight uh, we have no Ask the Mainland Podcast questions, Dave. We have no- I know why. I know why. Because uh, the team sucked on Sunday? And nobody wants to talk about it just like we don't want yeah. to. Uh, this is true, and and I think it's also because uh, people want to ask us about the off-season stuff, and we've already answered about all the stuff from the off-season <laughs> that we can uh, going yeah. into next year. We've already given our answers on Jason Christ. We've already got given our answers on what changes that we think the team needs to make, and uh, so now it's just a, uh, a waiting game. But that's because people just want to ask us about soccer, and they don't have to, Dave. They can ask us about food, uh, restaurants. They can ask us about movies, television shows. Whatever is on their mind, Dave. All they have to do we, is tweet to us on the Twitters at the mainland and, uh, and use the hashtag AskTMLPC. That's all they have to do. We are Renaissance men. That's true. And so, I mean, you know, and especially for uh, our fellow beer connoisseurs out there, my goodness, we even talked about having a whole uh, off-season podcast about beer because we love beer so there's that there's and, and i know both you and i watch uh tv we uh, as a matter of fact um you know we were even chatting earlier about a particular show that we're both watching right now um you know so it, uh, yeah come on guys uh, we we just want to answer questions it's, it's really what we're here to do that's right tweet us at the mainland and uh use the hashtag ask tmlpc or you can uh email us 
the mainland at gmail.com is how you would reach us uh, to ask us your questions, ask us anything. And uh, Dave, uh, you mentioned the the show that we're both watching. The you and I are both watching the new HBO program, The Deuce, which is uh, made by the creators of uh, The Wire, I believe. And mm-hmm. uh, I want to know: uh, Have you watched all three episodes so far? Uh, let me think. I don't think. Wait. Yes. Yes, I have. I have. So, I mean, we're not going to give any spoilers out, obviously, but I just want to no. get your general overall thoughts so far uh, of the series. That's my uh, that's my ask the mainland podcast question. Okay. So, uh, overall in the series, um, it's. It's developing slower than I thought it was going to be, which is a good thing. Um, you know, given what the the premise was supposed to be, um, it, it's it's they're they're not that they're drawing it out, but they're they're taking their time, which is great um, because that means that we get we get more in depth, we get more detail. James Franco is doing a phenomenal job, and quite frankly, he looks awesome as a you know. 70s 80s you know mustache wearing guy <laughs> so uh he's he's great there and then um maggie gyllenhaal is um doing a wonderful job playing the 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 single mom who's also a prostitute and um once again doing that 70s look thing great so i i think the 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 production level is, is really nice especially you know you and i are a little bit older we kind of remember the 70s and all that and mm-hmm. so it's um it's it's neat to see all that, but the so far the story is is good. They are taking the time to flesh it out. <laughs> yeah, no pun, no pun intended. No right? pun intended yeah. there, but they're they're fleshing it out nicely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's both uh, visual, intellectual, and um, you know, and then just regular old entertaining at the same time. So I, I, I think they've got, uh, I think they've got something there. They're really doing a great job of capturing the gritty, dirty, uh, feel of that, of times square and that era, uh, you know, before New York really cleaned up that area, it was, it was pretty horrible. And, um, yeah. they've done a really nice job of, of, of capturing that, I think. And, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, I mean, they did a, just like they did a great job in, uh, in showing the dilapidated um, decay of Baltimore in the wire. They're doing a really good job uh, with this, these New York sets and the look and the feel, and even just the little, the the attention to detail in the show is unbelievable. Down to like the, the pricing on the menu boards for mm-hmm. like uh, the sandwiches and and the fries and stuff and the <laughs> the. Um, uh, the other thing was the you know there's a scene where there are two pimps they're talking and they're they're making small talk and they're talking about Nixon and uh, in Vietnam yeah. and it's just it's so authentic it's just so I mean it's just really well done if you know it's not going to be for everyone I will warn people no that um, you know it it is about the birth of the porn industry or the, the you know the porn explosion so. Um, it's not going to be, you know, wholesome family entertainment. No. Uh, so uh, you're going to get language. You're going to get nudity. You're going to get uh, sexual situations. Uh, it's, it's, it's all there. Uh, but it is, um, it never becomes um, about that, and it never becomes gratuitous because it's always serving the story, 
and I think that so far it's it's doing a good job. It's it is a slow burn, but it's um, you know you're it, it's really doing a good job of of introducing the characters and and mm-hmm. and developing the characters. And the only uh, thing I will add to your to your James Franco remark is that he could probably spend a little less time smiling at his other self uh, <laughs> because he plays twins in the show and yeah. there's so many, so it's almost, it's almost meta the way he's smiling and you know, he's smiling at himself and well, it almost looks like he, he's, it's like, it's written on his face. It's like, I'm smiling, but I'm smiling at me, you know? Right. And, ex, and ex, you're right. Because if he was truly in character, uh, the, the main, I'm going to say the main James Franco character versus the brother James Franco character shouldn't be all that happy with the brother James Franco right, character. Right, right. I more, don't want to give any spoilers, yeah. but yeah, I, he would be a little bit yeah. more upset I with I think him. he'd be a little more annoyed with him, yeah, as yeah. Being, a, being kind of a jackass. But right. um, yeah, so that's that's the, that's what, why it sort of plays as meta to me. It's like, it's like I'm smiling, you little dickens. Even you know, it's like no, you should <laughs> you shouldn't be smiling. You should be thumping him on the head like a real brother would be. But um, exactly. But you know, other than that one little sour note for me, I think that the rest of it has been pretty phenomenal. So there's your ask the mainland podcast, and you didn't even ask, and we told you anyway uh, to go watch the Deuce and give it a shot and see what you think. Just just as an example of the fact that we can talk about things other than soccer. That's right. We we are we are learned men. Uh, technically i think we are yeah yeah um okay so two games this week dave uh in addition of course in addition to the pride being at north carolina saturday night and ocb traveling to richmond on sunday we're going to talk about the lions uh that's primarily why we're here we do like to talk about all our teams but uh you know the mls team is uh you know what we're primarily known for and they are going to host Two games this week at Orlando City Stadium, Wednesday night. As this drops on Wednesday, it would be tonight uh, against the New England Revolution, trying to get a little revenge for that 4 nothing shellacking a, a few weeks back. And uh, then FC Dallas comes in on Saturday to try to get their uh, postseason push jump-started uh, you know, at the, at the expense of the Lions. Um, and what better place to get that? Get that uh, yeah. started. But uh, Dallas has been in just absolute... Dallas has actually mirrored... Orlando City. Both teams were on the top of the heap early in the season, and then both teams have spiraled uncontrollably uh, toward the bottom uh, of the standings. Uh, Orlando City has just uh, fallen a little bit further uh, than FC Dallas. FC Dallas still has a, a chance to uh, get a couple results and get in. Uh, and I guess technically Orlando City does too, but it's a less than 1% chance, they say. <laughs> and I never listen to them. Uh, but anyway, what are your key matchups and predictions for uh, the New England Revolutions, first of all? Okay, so for New England, it's going to be um, whoever the heck we have at center back uh, positions versus uh, Kamara and Wynn and whoever else they decide to throw at us. Um, it's, uh, as, as we heard in the interview, um, we've got two similar teams. They can both score. They both can't defend. And uh, without Spectre out there, um, that's my biggest worry. So that's my matchup is how do Tommy and whoever the heck else we have in there, if it's uh, Hines or, you know, it doesn't matter. How, how do they hold up? Um, if they can, if, you know, we, we've talked about how Tommy occasionally, you know, has a game where he's, he's, he's not all there, but occasionally he has a brilliant game. Um, not as occasionally as when he doesn't, but you know, if he could, 
if he can have a great game, um, then I, I think that Orlando can, you know, can pull out a win because uh, it's entirely possible we're going to score on the other end, um, you know, because New England doesn't have a good back line and we have scores. Just it, it's a it's a exact, uh, uh, you know, uh, same versus same going on here. So it, it's it's it, it almost feels like a, whoever gets to the, you know, to five first wins or something. Um, I don't think it'll be that bad. I hope it's not that bad. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, how, how our center backs play versus, um, their scores in particular, uh, Kai Kamara, who we hate and, uh, win. Um, that being said, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, both teams do the same thing and we ended up with a two, two draw. Yeah, I think, um, for me, because the fact that these teams are sort of similar and that they are good attacking teams, but bad defending teams, I think that the real key matchup for me is in the midfield is which midfield wins the game. Uh, who is the, you know, which team's midfield is the one that gets their team on the front foot instead of the other one. I mean, that's, that's where it's going to all happen for my money. And I think we've seen two, pretty mundane games out of Yoshimaru Tune the last two games at, at Atlanta and at Portland. I think he wasn't quite as good as he had been in the previous game. So we can get if we can get Yoshi back to where he was, uh, I think um, we might be able to win that midfield battle and, uh, and be able to get on the front foot rather than stay on the back foot. The other thing I think we might see is I think we might see Kaka this week. Um, mm. I think because he didn't play a single minute at Portland and because of the quick turnaround, uh, I think that there might be a little bit of squad rotation and, you know, it's, I guess it's not that bad to have a Ballon d'Or winner to come in, uh, in the squad <laughs> rotation, uh, even though he hasn't had a great season. I mean, he's, he's always, he's still a threat. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's always got a couple of moments of magic throughout the game in him and it's just a matter of, does it come off or does it not? And that's not always up to him. Sometimes that's up to who he gives the ball to. So, True. um, I think the midfield is where the game is won and lost. That's my key matchup. And I will say also 2-2 because uh, we can't have nice things. And because these teams just really like 2-2 draws, they've done it three times already in their history. And uh, I see no reason for it to change now. But of course, we were both really wrong about last weekend. So hopefully we're both wrong this time and we win. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, Okay, so FC Dallas, hit me with your key matchup and your score prediction. All right. Uh, so FC Dallas, um, Dallas, as we mentioned, have not been good. They are winless in their last 10 games. Um, as as much as I would like for that to bode well for us, it almost gives me a, a sense of foreboding and that, uh, you know, it's like, OK, maybe this is the time they turn around. But regardless, uh, so in this game, I'm this is where I go for the midfield and um, the need for them to. Uh, provide the opportunities for for Kyle and Dom up top. Um, you know whether it's uh, uh, Yoshi, whether it's uh, Kaká coming in uh, either starting or off the bench. You know depending on how Wednesday goes, um, we we need to we need to get some service uh, into those guys up top. And I think how how they do that if they're winning those battles and and getting the ball in that's what makes the difference. I'm. Because it's the second game within the week and we have no idea who's going to play, who's going to get hurt, who's going to do anything, I'm just going to go ahead and be optimistic. I'm going to say FC Dallas doesn't get back on the winning uh, side and we actually win at home 2-1 in a game that won't matter. 
All right. Well, uh, let's see. The FC Dallas match Saturday afternoon will be the third game in seven days for Orlando City. Uh, at least they won't have to travel between Wednesday and Saturday. But um, yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot oh, of soccer. Yeah, but we'll have specs back. That's a lot of soccer. Yeah, we might uh, we might have uh, Jonathan Spector back for the weekend. My key matchup is going to be the Orlando City attack against that backline for FC Dallas. I know that they've been a little bit maligned this year, but they are capable of putting up uh, a stone wall in front of uh, Jesse Gonzalez. So I would say that uh, that's my key matchup is can can Dom and Kyle or whoever else might be in there. Uh, can they can they make that final ball? I mean, can they make it work? The Orlando City uh, team has not yet scored a goal against FC Dallas uh, in in its history, so um, that's not great, Bob. Um, <laughs> uh, we've had a lot of trouble against them, uh, especially their defense. So that's my key matchup, and I will say that at the end of a very busy week with some travel involved in there as well. We're going to get a stinker of a nil-nil draw. <laughs> and you'll probably be right. Because uh, that's just the way it goes. That way, neither team can be happy. Yeah. All right. Well, obviously, I hope that uh, both of them are wins instead of draws or losses. And uh, obviously, you hope that as well. Uh, but we, uh, obviously. We have gone with what our gullets have told us. And, um, you know, my gut can sometimes be an idiot, but sometimes it can be scarily correct i mean uh, now was, to be fair <laughs> i went with my heart on the second one i went with my gut on the first one. okay well i was really scary uh scary close on the uh preseason pride predictions i was looking back at my pride predictions from the preseason and yes and, you uh, noted that the the five teams vying for the four slots were the exact five teams i thought um i did predict that the pride would finish third which could still happen but they've definitely finishing fourth or third. Um, and then I also said that my wild out of the box prediction was that uh, Alex Morgan returns from Lyon and it, and, it, and ignites a scoring explosion and that her and Marta combined to score 25 goals. And that could still happen. They have combined for 21 goals between the two of them. So uh, they would each need a brace or some combination thereof at North Carolina to make that come true. But uh that is a, a pretty a pretty good uh, analysis. I also, you know, you and I have talked on the podcast about how they would start slowly and uh, they would need to gel and stay healthy. And they have, for the most part, they've stayed healthy. They have gelled and come together as the season goes on. A lot of people don't realize this team only won one of its first seven games and uh, none of its first five, I want to say. And uh, here they are in the playoffs. So that's just okay. a testament of, of how the, how quickly they came together and turned things around. Okay, hold on. That's a golf clap. Oh. Golf clap for Michael. I thought that was the sound of one hand clapping. No, that was a golf clap okay. for Michael. I thought that was more like... For doing a great prediction. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I'd had to toot my own horn because I'm wrong on here so often. <laughs> If we if, if if we had to acknowledge every time that we're wrong, um, we wouldn't have any time to interview anybody. Yeah. All right, guys. So that we're that was that will just about do it. Our stoppage time is over. We're gonna blow this whistle dead. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna put a stop to this thing now and uh, call it a day on episode 105. Again, we want to thank Jake Catnice from the Bent Musket for uh, coming on and chewing our ears off about the revolution and uh, letting us know in no uncertain terms that 
they have just as many problems as we do, uh, <laughs> but they are still ahead of us in the standings, and that won't change even if the Lions win on Wednesday night. So, um, so screw you guys. Um, yeah. So that uh, thanks to Jake, and uh, of course we would uh, we would read you our five star reviews on iTunes, but there aren't any new ones. Uh, I could read some old ones from before Dave's time, but I won't put him through that. Um, if you uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes uh, and, uh, you know, leave us your comments there, we will read them on air. So uh, that's something to think about. And also it helps us uh, reach more people. So tell your friends, tell your family, spread the word about the Mainland Podcast if you like what we do here. And please uh, leave us an iTunes rating. You can uh, uh, do that at iTunes, obviously. Um, please read themainland.com. Please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. All that good stuff. We are at the Mainland, and uh, we are uh, facebook.com slash the mainland and uh, we are at the mainland.com so it's all the mainland everywhere you look on all the channels uh, so that will do it for episode 105 on behalf of david rowe i am michael citro the founder and managing editor of the mainland.com apologizing for my voice which is about to give out and i'm signing off the way i always do by saying go city <laughs>